Hey, good folks, this is Bird from Killing Away and Bird and Cam, and this is kind of like a, I don't know if we can call it like a bounce-off, or eh, what the fuck, it is a bounce-off, of this Jim, Jimmy Superfly Snuka episode, and I wouldn't be remiss if I brought a wrestling expert, so to speak. Um, we have a very special guest who knows a lot about what we've been talking to, talking about tonight, and it is a Michael Noor from Squared Circle Squares. Uh, Mike, how you doing, man? And you know, it's kind of funny that I was thinking when you first reached out to us, uh, I want to say a few months, a few months back, and you had made a rush, a wrestling reference only that I wouldn't get. And you had went to, you went to UIS, right? Without a doubt, man. Uh, I wanted to also say you guys, uh, definitely motivated, uh, the start of our podcast. For really? We, yeah. Uh, yeah, we branched off into several different, uh, you know, just interest, anything I'm interested in, we'll interview somebody. We just interviewed uh, uh, Huck Finn Barbell, uh, a bodybuilder tonight. Um, and uh, But yeah, I saw you guys doing it. I thought to myself, hey, why couldn't I? Literally people in my hometown were following you guys, and I'm just like, uh, hey, you know, why can't I do that? So well, me and my friends got together. We thought it'd be a one-time thing, maybe two-time thing. And we're open to 60 episodes. Dude, you, think, like, oh, you've yeah, done more episodes than we have. <laughs> Believe it or not, I mean, hey, I was glad that we could give you the rub. But, like, yeah, you guys, because uh, I saw the last episode, episode 54. I mean, you guys, that's some pretty legit fucking content that you guys are working with, man. We try to keep it pretty regular. Obviously, work comes in first for everybody. And, uh, you know, life comes in effect. But I try to, uh, you know, in the spare time, like on a spare night, try to get interviews with different people, everybody from controversial video game player of the century, Billy Mitchell, <laughs> Porcelain, a YouTube documentarian who, uh, you know, I really, you know, impressed by somebody I really look up to. Yeah, so again, guys, um, again, check Mike out, uh, Squared, Circle Squares, uh, they have a YouTube uh, page, you can find them, follow them on Facebook, a hell of a, I mean, really entertaining fucking guys, couldn't, couldn't agree more, like, yeah, check these guys out, um, this is something that, uh, when I first started this podcast, uh, again, this basis was Killinois, and somehow we were going to do road tripping. We're going to do a murders outside of the state of Illinois. And it was a murder like this always kind of fascinated me, especially as a wrestling fan and wanting to do something wrestling centric. Now, um, of course, I'm sure you heard of when we did the Chris Benoit uh, episodes, which you guys can find on the archives. Um, 
is something about Jimmy Superfly Snucker, and this is why I brought you in. I think, can you just talk about like the influence of Jimmy Snucker and how, in essence, he was like one of the bigger draws in wrestling in the late seventies and early eighties, like before there was a Hulk Hogan, especially in the WWF, there was Jimmy Superfly Snucker. Um, without a doubt, man, uh, you're definitely talking. Uh, an era that would take a, uh, you know, a time in wrestling that would take a little bit to uh, explain, but definitely in the Northeast Territories, um, Jimmy Snook, uh, Superfly Snuckle was making moves. One of the biggest, I guess, uh, I don't know, cred- 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 credible references I can make is in Mick Foley's book. Uh, uh, not, you know, just to plug myself, I uh, met Mick Foley, got him to sign it. Yeah. In his book, uh, his very first one that you know, he wrote himself, he talks about uh, Snooker was his influence. Mm-hmm. And he took a 16-hour round-trip yep. bus ride in college. Uh, maybe you've heard this, uh, when he had no money, just to see uh, Jimmy Super by Snooker. And then uh, as you're you know, talking about the influence he had, um, mm-hmm. everybody loved having, uh, loved working with uh, Jimmy Superfly. You know, whether you're having a match with them, I was some quotes that Rocky Johnson, that's uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's dad, uh, and uh, you know, he was a great worker, and he could work as a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. But uh, um, often they had to play in the bad guy, as you know, the times would kind of dictate. And he was, yeah, his draw was jumping off the 15 foot cages, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get a bigger pop than that. Exactly. And and kind of piggyback what you said about uh, Mick Foley um, hitchhiking with 16 hours. It was at that night um, in 1983 at Madison Square Garden when he did that against Don Morocco. And I think it, it Foley said in the book that it was that reason right there that he decided, OK, this is what I want to do for a living. Absolutely, man. You called it, Bird. You know your facts. I don't know if you even need me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, you know, what really made him want to do it. He started jumping off stuff as just a college kid. Yeah. And, uh, I think it definitely even revolutionized a new era of wrestling because it's kind of funny because the debate will always uh, ravel, you know, continue about um, high flying. The haters will call it like uh, monkey stunts, you know. Uh, but well, compared to wrestling, you know, right? The debate's been going on, or they call them stunt monkeys, you know, people who do the high flying moves, um, and then the people who can't do them, you know, just uh, prefer wrestling. And ever ever since the fifties, it's always been a perfect gelling of the two. You know, you can't have one or the other. But uh, definitely, I think uh, one of the first big names of, that's why he's called Superfly, you know, he was uh, Jimmy Snuka. Yeah. Uh, now, switching gears, um, Snuka admitted in his autobiography that at the time of Nancy Argentino's death that he was addicted to cocaine and steroids. And that said, if you would talk about the wild, wild west nature of how unregulated wrestling was, especially in the 1980s. Now, today... You have in the WWE, you have these vigorous, and that's for anybody's interpretation, do as you will with that. You have these vigorous drug testing policies. You have a greater um, regulation, if you will, on, okay, if somebody is with performance enhancing drugs or if they're using illicit drugs, 
they'll be on that shit. But and again, in the 1980s, it was a very, very different atmosphere. And could you just talk about that a little? Absolutely. You know, I don't want to say uh, it's a tough, touchy subject. But a lot of us here saying this and that. I don't want you to discuss things that, you know, are absolutely, you know, founded and stuff. But people just have to research stuff like the plane ride from hell or, uh, <laughs> you know, any, anything along those lines to know the craziness about it. Um, Ric Flair wasn't joking. You know, he was exaggerating. But when he said he was, uh, he made, he spent more money on spilled liquor than he made. Uh, talk about uh, buying a hundred um, plus kamikazes. Um, you know, we know Andre the Giant drinks a hundred plus. Oh yeah. Uh, they say about thirteen bottles of wine. Specifically, I mean, just imagine. I, I don't want to be cliche and say the rock star lifestyle. But compare the two lifestyles. You're on the road. You're in a new place. Every city, um, the, the women, the everybody wants to be your friend. So hypothetically, everybody's handing you stuff, you know, to have a good time afterwards. And uh, you, you know, I don't know. Just you're popular. And uh, hey, after performing in front of thousand people, it's hard to uh, you know want to go. Sleep, as Rick Flair says. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and I was watching the uh, Ric Flair Thirty for Thirty documentary, and again, it's a miracle that this man is still alive today. And uh, no, I, I was lucky enough to meet him up in East Moline. Really? Yeah, he was dripping in jewelry. Um, nothing too flashy, you know. He has a normal face, kind of Rolex. I asked him what shoes he was wearing. He said he thought he told me about the Ferragamos, and uh, he was the coolest dude. Uh, we talked nothing about wrestling, just about like the NBA Finals and uh, Ric Flair drips the song. And uh, man, uh, he's definitely he, like he's one of the guys I'm talking about when he say lives his million lives. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, so getting back to Snooker, um, what do you make of the fact that? WWE not only still employed Snucker, but I don't get this. After when we were talking earlier about um, the night that uh, he did his famous dive off the steel cage, that happened months after the death of Nancy Argentino and after the 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 police quasi cleared the charges against him. So just taking the fact that what do you make that the WWE not only still employed Snucker, but I feel that they went out of their way in the years following to embrace this man as an ambassador with all the controversy taking into effect. And we can use a lot of examples of the fact that they trust him to be the first uh, victim of The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak, even though they didn't know it at the time. But he still had all of these these prime real estate uh, um, shots. It, hell, they even brought him back for the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania in a uh, feature match with Chris Jericho. And, and, and what really stands out to me is after Snuka died, only two weeks after this murder trial came to be dismissed, they, the WWE, did this very well produced and everything they do is produced so well but they did this really thoughtful produced tribute as if this man was like a vanguard of all things virtues right and it was just kind of like sidestepping like this man 
may have well killed somebody and got away with it. Like, it's kind of, it's mind-boggling to me. Um, I, you know, absolutely understand what you're saying, man. And uh, just to give you, you know, a little, I don't know, reference, you know, on it. Yeah. I'm not, there's so many instances of this, and uh, like you said, putting them on a pedestal. Yeah. I don't know exactly what criteria to Actually, like you said, you know your stuff, man. Talking about he's in WrestleMania 25. That's not 30 years ago or something. Man. No, like, that was only 10 years ago. And he was pushing 70 doing this. Um, you know, being on the biggest of stages. Um, one thing I'll point out is, uh, you know, the Ultimate Warrior. Now, not granted, I don't think he was uh, suspected of murder. But uh, he was this black his whole career. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. I think especially now in the kind of culture that we live in, if you type in Jimmy Slipify Snucker, you're going to get maybe at more so now as opposed to 10 years ago. The first, it's not it's not in Benoit level, so we're going to talk more in, uh, succinctly in a few minutes. Um, but it, it's part of his legacy. And as much as WWE controls the narrative and how powerful they are, it's it you look at you're going to find a lot of stuff and it's like whoa, what the fuck? And again, yeah, it, it, you're exactly right to uh, kind of make a quick about Ultimate Warrior like this stuff that he said, uh, uh, things and pardon my French folks, but he said quote unquote there was a speech where he said queering doesn't make the world work. I, I mean, that it, it, I, we can go on and on about Bozeman Warrior and the things that he said, and then he just they can make a statue about him and they call it the Warrior War, like he's such a great person. But yeah, you, you're you're exactly right. And 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 in my final question, I see a lot of similarities with Chris Benoit. Um, both had physical styles that left a lot of wear and tear. Uh, Snuka wrestled for almost over 40 years. Uh, Benoit did 20. Um, both were liable in the murders of significant others. Um, both had upon their autopsies advanced CTE. And again, do you just, you find these very, and where obviously the, where the similarities end is when, when Benoit died and when they knew the, the full details, WWE went out of its way, and with good reason, but they went out of its way to to pretend as if Chris Benoit did not exist. Meanwhile, Snuka, where it is public knowledge that he very may well have killed his significant other, they just embraced him. And I, I just find, it, I just baffled, baffled. 
and it's just very eerie. And I was talking to you this before um, we started recording. Um, there's this thing that uh, all wrestling fans uh, have is a WWE Network, and it's all these videos, all these from wrestling years of lore. And there's this uh, video in question uh, from 2000. This is from the WWE's old competitor, WCW. And Snuka is 2000, and Snuka is almost 60 years old, and he's still wrestling, so just a testament to, I guess, his longevity, if you will, and he's doing a steel cage match, and he's fighting somebody 30 years younger than him, and the special guest referee is Chris Benoit, and there is a spot at the end of the match where they recreate the famous dive from the steel cage. Benoit does, and get this folks, imagine how stupid this is, 20, 25 feet off from, 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 from the air, a diving headbutt, and you wonder why this guy had CTE, and Snucker does his move at the same time, synchronized, and it was like a passing of the torch of murderous will, and, and again, <laughs> what uh, do you see these these eerie similarities with Chris Benoit and Jimmy Superfly Snucker? Or am I just that crazy? I think you can definitely bring up uh, you know, a lot of similarities when it comes to these cases of CT. We're finding out more and more definitely uh, ways of treatment. But you're definitely not on the wrong page to see footage of two guys. And specifically, you know, again, I don't want to compare the two, but it's never fun in the context that we now know. Chris, watching Chris Benoit's flying headbutt. Um, yeah. And especially with such great athletes and workers that these guys were, they didn't have to do those spots continually, but they might have felt like they had to. And uh, I don't know. I just hope we continue research because um, TT affects everybody in these compact, compact sports. And uh, I don't know. I hope, I don't know, we can just keep doing research to know what can help and what can avoid bad issues that from happening. Because like you said, and it's not just a combination, it's definitely a combination of CTE and the lifestyles these guys are living, you know. Um, but when both of these cases happen, Chris Benoit was booked wrestling the next day. Yeah. And I believe Jimmy Stuckey wasn't far from wrestling. I think he had a day off or something. But these guys are still living their hectic lifestyles and trying to get their affairs in order. Yeah. It, times are unexcusable, but I, I don't know. Everybody should do their own research. And I don't know. I don't think their legacies should be erased. But, you know, it teaches them. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things is again, um, and I guess this final final question, um, would and this is kind of varying to Benoit, would you find fault if I don't think they're ever gonna do it, but if they ever inducted Chris Benoit to the WWE Hall of Fame, do you think what I, I don't think that would ever happen because that then the of the last two, three days of his life would completely overshadow the 20 years of work that he put in. You, you said it, Bird, and a lot of the legends uh, said it themselves. Um, I hate name dropping, you know, but uh, when uh, uh, people ask McFoley at his stand-up show who he thinks should be in, and like, first of all, I just want to throw off, you know, 
they help, you know, they're saying she's not Google friendly because of a porn tape. That X-Pac is in, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, I know I'm getting diverted, but, uh, uh, I, I don't know, it's, uh, it, Yeah, it's 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 one of those slippery slopes that again I just don't think, especially in how WWE is more corporate now than they were twelve years ago, and they were corporate then that they would never, never. We're talking, we're talking. They just got a billion dollar uh, deal with Fox. No, I don't think they would ever do that. But again, uh, thanks, Mike. You know what? Um, down the road, uh, and we gotta have you on for because I'm thinking I want to do Bruiser Brody. Uh, that's another episode. That's another case that again, that's even that's even more kind of like when we get to the details. When me and Cam, you know, discuss that case. That not only do I want to interview, I want you have I want you on this the episode with Cam so we can all just like just. Wow, you know. Without a doubt, man, uh, that'll be a good time. I wanted to say I trailed off there because I was thinking of possible scenarios where he could. He was in the Four Horsemen, but you know, at the end of the day, you said it, Birdman. He, the incident of Chris Benoit is gonna overshadow, and that's what people are gonna be thinking. Um, just to close up, I want to shout out um, TGP Proving Ground uh, Pro Wrestling. Uh, make sure you're checking out their events. Uh, they do a lot for charity and everything like that. So I want to shout out Brady and Jesse, who uh, run that organization. Also, Jay Lawrence and Powerline help me with the podcast, Words and Squares. Make sure you guys check it out. And, uh, yeah, if you have any questions, send them our way. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. Uh, anytime. Uh, and please, yeah, please be uh, come back. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have the other boys on. It'd be great just to do a throwdown, call in the middle of the ring, and shoot it out. Oh man, I tell you, it, it is not. It is not through. It is not through. Uh, through. Uh, <laughs> it, it's totally coincidental. Like we just do. Like oh my god, all these smart town shit, and like a lot of people, like off the records, like hey, you know, I want you this, and then oh, this is a little too close for home. It's like oh fuck, you know. Like we've done a lot of. If you know the the shit that we've tried to do just to get to the bottom of say a lot of cases that we've covered that were unsolved. You'd be man, you'd be shitting yourself. Hell, we sh- I've nearly shitting myself just doing half of this stuff. But yeah, again, when when uh, it, it means a lot when you know said when we said earlier in the beginning of this that you know you started hearing us and then it's like hey yeah I can do this like I mean that kind of you know emboldens us to keep doing this shit especially when you guys have gone way and above beyond the Call of Duty, and you guys are over 50 episodes on 54 right now, and I mean, uh, Mazel Tov, brother, Mazel Tov. Absolutely, we're loose with what we call an episode, if I'll interview somebody, you know, in the afternoon or something, I'll call that an episode or something, but that's what keeps us doing it, man, because honestly, if we miss one week, we'll miss the next week, miss this week, I, I like out nonsense, I'll just say, guys, yeah, that's it. Fake friends, you guys are all fired. I'll just do the podcast myself. And uh, no matter what, even if it's a 
and have a fun time. It's and really that's the amazing. most important thing. That really is. And again, one, one thing, one thing I'll say is, uh, some of the times when I think we have no ideas and we're not going to do anything and we should just cancel, but we still get together. Those have been some of our best. Yep. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. And uh, take notes, uh, Vince McMahon. You don't do it script, and you just do it off the cuff, just talking points. That's when the best creative shit happens. But again, thanks so much, Mike, um, and we're glad to have you on later on. Take care, All right.